What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 191, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Avalon Part 1. Part 1! Part 1. And, friends, we are an independent podcast. Uh, We uh, have been independent since the very beginning. If you like what we've got going on and you would like to support the show, you can do that if you wish. We've got a buy me a coffee thing at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through. Or you can go to our website at wtts.space. Space! And click the coffee cup icon in the bottom right corner right there. You can buy one or two or five, I think, coffees straight away if that's what you'd like to do. Uh, if you click on the words walking through the Stargate, you will be taken to the aforementioned buymeacoffee.com slash walking through site where you can, if you choose, sign up for what are called memberships. And those are the monthly recurring things that uh, w- that that support the show on a monthly basis, if that's what you want to do. And in there as well is something called wish lists. And uh, they are typically things that are uh, wish things for whomever is making the uh, content. And there are a couple of those things in that uh, wish list item. But the one that you're probably most interested in, dear listener, is the wish list item that is that is more of a wish for y'all. And it is uh, if it funds, we will watch the next two episodes of the non canonical, highly derided animated series that is basically based uh, basically associated with Stargate because it uses the intellectual property mostly. Uh, but it has nothing to do at all with the canon story that is Stargate Infinity. And uh, if that funds, we'll watch the next two and record two episodes and post it right here on the main feed. And uh, let's see, where am I at? If, uh, oh yeah, <clears throat> if anyone in your life wants to listen to this exquisite Stargate podcast content, you can direct them to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts or iHeartRadio Podcasts or Amazon Podcasts or their podcast aggregators, or even our website. And if they search on those things but our website for Walking Through the Stargate, they will find us. They can they can do a little test run. Uh, they can listen to a couple of episodes, see if they like it. And if they do, they can subscribe. And then they can get every single one of our random ping pong idea thoughts. Every one of them. The- well, all the ones that we recorded... Oh, Let's be honest. There, the- yes, <clears throat> that that is a that is a very good distinction because uh, these the, the the sheer tonnage of ping pong balls. Do you know how many ping pong balls you have to have to have a ton? Um, a ton. Okay, yes, but uh, I and and no, it's not like a trick question where I know the answer. I'm just acknowledging you got to have a lot of ping pong balls, and uh, you know, I'm glad that people are not necessarily subject to the tonnage of ping pong ball thoughts that I have because it's a lot it happens a lot. So Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to say, I also have ping pong ball thoughts that are measured in tonnage. And additionally, I have done the math and this is how many ping these, this, this number is how many ping pong balls there are in a ton. How might they reach out and let us know? Well, if you have the answer to how many ping pong balls are in a ton, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh, you can also post it on our Facebook page or the Facebook group, or yes. you can go to the discords and share that with uh, all of the random people that are there. Yep. I mean, they're not really random. They're, they're other listeners like you 
yes. who have joined the, pay, the, 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 the discords and, and uh, are having fun chatting about festive beverages and, yes. and <laughs> video games and yeah. board games and spoiler stuff and non-spoiler stuff and, and weirdness and, because and weirdness, that's what nerds do. And everyday life. There's a good number of everyday life conversations that are happening there, too. It's a great place. You should yeah. go. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very good place. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a fun place. Uh, it's one of my favorite places on the social webs. Yes, out there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Brent. Yes. I think it's time that we dig into this episode, Avalon Part 1. Yes, but. Yes. Did I miss something? Technically. If friends, if you want to know where the Discord link is, you can go to our website at wtts.space. Space. And click on the icon, uh, little Discord icon, and you will be taken to the server. There you go. Okay, uh, done. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so, as, as, as Brent and I were talking earlier before we started recording, uh, uh, Brent said that he's going to bring in the energy and Woo! I'm going to be along for the ride. So, this is just me <laughs> along for the ride. <laughs> Y'all have been warned, friends. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. So, uh, the director for this episode is Andy Makita. This mm -hmm. is his first of four directing credits this season. Okay. Uh, if I recall correctly, without looking at my notes, uh, he directed this episode and the two following episodes, uh, which are all part of one story arc oh, here. Oh, yeah, okay. And then he has one more later on in the season. Yep, gotcha. Um, there are some excerpts of this episode that were credited to Robert Cooper and Brad Wright. Yep. Those would be the excerpts from uh, Lost City, I believe. Uh, when when we see the battle at Antarctica, yes. Uh, but the teleplay for this episode was Robert Cooper. Mm -hmm. This is his first of four episodes this season. Uh, I believe it's the same situation again. Without looking at my notes, that he's got the credit for the first three episodes, and then yeah, something and then else later on. Gotcha. Um, I was listening to the commentary yesterday uh, for this episode, and he was saying that uh, he started writing this episode, and he got about a third of the way through the process. And he goes to Brad Wright and he's like, um, I think I've got a three-parter here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big number. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, well, it this, is what it this, is. this was an episode that was uh, from from the perspective of Robert Cooper and Andy Makita and, and the whole staff there. Uh, this was, um, you know, to so treat this episode like a pilot episode. And that's what yeah. they did. Yep. Um, so we do have some new cast members for yes, this season. Yes, we do. Yeah. We have Ben Browder as Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell. Mm -hmm. And of course, we also have, uh, the inimitable Bo Bridges as Major General Hank Landry. Yep. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ben Browder now, and we'll talk about Hank Landry, not Hank Landry, Bo Bridges <laughs> next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very so, good. So we have a very lengthy mini IMDb biography for Ben Browder by Mark Keeler and Rita Lewis. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to read all of it, but I'm going to start and then we're just going to skip it. We'll, you know. we'll see how far we get. Okay. Yep. So Ben Browder is an American actor, writer, and director born in Memphis, Tennessee on December 11, 1962 oh. as Robert Benedict Browder. Mm-hmm. After a successful college football career with the Furman University Paladins oh. as a championship-winning linebacker, oh. while starring in theatrical productions and gaining a degree in psychology. <laughs> wow. Busy guy. <laughs> 
Ben moved to London to study classical acting at the Central School of Speech and Drama. Mm. Ben's acting career started in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he was raised. In the late 60s, he made TV commercials. In the late 70s, he appeared in the children's movie Duncan's World in 1977, playing Gates, mm-hmm. one of Duncan's best friends. Okay. Uh, incidentally, that was his first IMDb credit. Oh, okay. Very so, nice. Uh, I'll just put that in there right now. So while at drama school, he says he was highly influenced by Dame Judith Dench, ah. who was a visiting teacher at the school and directed him in several Shakespeare productions. In 1987, he and his future wife, Francesca Buller, were mm-hmm. cast in Dustin Hoffman's London West End production of Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice, Yeah, which went on to play on Broadway in New York. Hmm. Cool. He worked as a guest on various TV series, TV pilots, and movies before he got his first noted TV series role as Sam Brody in the third season of Party of Five yeah. back in 1994. Mm-hmm. Beginning with episode nine, entitled Gimme Shelter. Mm-hmm. In 99, Ben was cast after numerous auditions to play the lead on a science fiction TV series, Farscape, mm-hmm. which was filmed in Australia by a collaboration of the Jim Henson Company, Channel 9, Hallmark Company, and the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, The dramatic and eccentric series where Ben played American astronaut John Crichton, uh, unique among a crew of renegade aliens, ran for four seasons on what was then known as the Sci-Fi Cable Channel uh, until 2002 when it was canceled as the Sci-Fi Cable Channel. Okay, there you go. Sure. After finding financing... After... After finding okay. financing, Farscape The Peacekeeper Wars was filmed to complete yep. the Farscape series. Yes, there you go. Yes. Um, it, it didn't strike <laughs> me as obvious where, where the... the, 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 the uh, There's the, a lot of punctuation in there. There was. <laughs> so, during his time as lead actor on Farscape, Ben wrote two scripts for the show, Season 3's Green-Eyed Monster and Season 4's John Quixote. Ah, John Quixote. Brother uh, of Don. Brother of Don, yes. Um, maybe it's the sun. Maybe it's the and 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 I'm just realizing that any literature nerd probably just just winced really hard when I when I changed a title for a first name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not the first time that's been done. <laughs> I, oh, I yes, uh, of this I am confident. Yet I am also confident that people are like ah. Yep. You did it. Uh, you did the thing I hate. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so Ben also starred as Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell on in the ninth and tenth seasons of Sci-Fi Channel's Stargate SG-1. Uh-huh. After series star and producer Richard Dean Anderson left the show. During his time as lead actor on the show, Ben was given credit for developing the story for a season 10 episode. Uh, okay. Very nice. Um, in 2008, SG-1 filmed two made-for-TV movies starring the actors from the television show, including Ben, yep. uh, playing Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell. Uh, yep. I'm not going to read that. You should skip that, Ben. Uh, yep. uh, uh, Brent? Skipping it. Yep. It is skipped. Um, blah, blah, blah. From 2012, Ben Browder appeared in guest starring roles twice on the TV show Arrow, playing Ted Gaynor on Chuck playing a thug, and on CSI New Orleans, playing a sociopath named Randy Pruitt. Uh Uh-huh. He made a huge splash as Sheriff Isaac 
on the seventh season episode of Doctor Who called A Town Called Mercy. Oh. Yeah, I remember that episode. Um, he done, he's done a whole bunch of other stuff, and this goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, he, he's been in some MCU stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, there you go. There you go. Uh, ben Browder was actually one of the producer's original choices to play the role of John Shepard in Stargate Atlantis, but he was unable to do that because of his commitments with Farscape the Peacekeeper Wars. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, which then led to Joe Flanagan getting cast as John Shepard. Yes. So Makes sense. Um, and as I mentioned before, his first IMDb credit was Duncan's World in 1977. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have several guest actors in this uh, in this episode. Yeah. We have Claudia Black returning as Vala Maldoran, yep. who is not just a guest actor, but a special guest actor. Special guest. Uh, we have Gary Jones as Chief Master Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman. Yes. Woo! We see briefly Obi and Defu as Ragnar. Yep. And Bill Dow as Dr. Bill Lee. Yep. We also say as a guest actor, Richard Dean Anderson, hello, as yes. Major General Jack O'Neill. Yep. Uh, he yep. is actually a Major General now. Ah. He's got two stars. Got, he's got two stars. Two stars. Well, uh, he had two stars. Wait. Well, he had one star on each shoulder. No. But now he has two sh- stars on each shoulder. Well, but when the flashback... When a uh, new guy is on the bed and and O'Neill is telling him he can do anything he wants. I think he had one star on his shoulder. Well, that's because at that point in time, he would have only had one star. Correct. I mean, that's just all I'm doing is just kind of putting putting the pieces in their spots. Right. But but when he's playing chess with the other major general, um, well, he's not wearing a uniform. No, but but we just know. Just trust. We me. just know. <laughs> we just know. Gotcha. OK. <laughs> trust me. I, I trust it. I have no reason to doubt you. I'm just right. saying. Just, we, yeah. we say hello again to Matthew Walker, who plays Merlin. Okay. Um, he played uh, Rohem in the episode Touchstone. He was sure. also the ancient Morris in Atlantis's Before I Sleep. Oh. Um, and I think that there are designed to be some connections between Morris, the ancient, and Merlin, the, the ancient oh, slash wizard. Oh, okay. Um. Morris was not the dude that made the time machine, right? No, no. Yeah. Morris was the guy who yelled at the guy who made the time machine. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't. Yes, I believe. Yeah, he, he was the old guy. Yeah. Okay. You know. Anyway, it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. It's Merlin. Yep. He's yep. an ancient. Yeah. Merlin is an ancient. Anyway, we'll see Merlin again. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, we say hello to Martin Christopher, who plays Lieutenant Marks. Yep. Uh, this is uh the guy in the uh, Prometheus. He was born in 77 in Vancouver. He's known for Night at the Museum and Stargate SG-1. Uh-huh. And we will see Lieutenant Marks again several more times in Stargate at Stargate SG-1, Atlantis, and in a few episodes of Universe. Okay. Very so, nice. His first IMDb credit came in 1999 in the movie Forever Fabulous mm. when he played uh, Miss Tierra Quest competitor. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um... <laughs> We have Lieutenant Banks, and I think this is the guy who was the co-pilot or the the in in the F three hundred two of yeah 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 yeah. Um, he was played by Tyler McClen- uh, McClendon. Uh huh. He was born in seventy five in Langley, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known for Watchmen, Underworld, Awakening, and Love Happens. Okay. 
And his first IMDb credit came in the TV series Andromeda in mm-hmm. 2002 when he played Commonwealth Officer Number One in the episodes the Sh- in the episode The Shards of Rimney. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And then we have several other folks. I'll just name them. Mars Anderson plays an Air Force official. Mm-hmm. Claude Knowlton plays the doctor. Wendy Russell, a nurse. Donna White, the crying mother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Penelope yeah. Corrin, the science candidate number one. Yeah, I thought she did a good job. I thought yep. science candidate number one did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, fun. Yeah. So um, this episode originally aired on July 15, 2005, which was yeah. only a few months after season eight concluded mm-hmm. uh, number one on the charts in the u.s was we belong together by mariah carey mm-hmm. and in the uk they were listening to ghetto gospel by tupac featuring uh elton john yeah okay uh in the box office as we are listening to oh so so what is ghetto gospel oh right 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 well it's by tupac uh featuring elton john 2005 so this is like t- Almost 10 years after Tupac died, I think. Um, so it's uh, Elton John. So it's going to be an R&B song, but it's going to have like this melody overlay to it. Uh, I suspect that they're ghetto gospel. I'm trying to figure out what Elton John song that they're probably covering. I don't know. So it's going to have a bounce to it. It's going to have, a, you know, a pretty, you know, good, uh, a pretty good beat to it, but in like a shuffle type beat. It's going to be an R&B song. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a hip hop song. Oh, okay. um, and so, uh, and so it's playing and, and when, when the hook comes, it's going to have kind of like a nice sort of mellow groove to it. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, uh, a little wistful. It's going to be a little, little sad. Oh, a little sad, a little sad. Okay. Well, as we're listening to this uh, ghetto gospel with a little bit of sad, but a little bit of a bounce to it, yep. we realized that Charlie and, Ch- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was number one in the box office this uh-huh. year. And there's definitely bounces in that when you got, you know, the Oompa Loompas. I don't even oh, yeah. know if there were Oompa Loompas in this one. Uh, I didn't actually watch this one. But yeah. sure, I'm going to pretend that there are Oompa Loompas in this one, and they've got a bounce. Maybe yeah. there's there's uh, uh, the, the one who turns into a little purple thing. Uh, that was yeah. in the original, but I don't know if that's in this <laughs> that one. That was one of the... Carry on. <laughs> anyway, you know, but you know, also, you know, wedding crashers have to have a nice bounce because if you're yeah. going to crash a wedding, then, you know, you got to have, uh, you know, a little bounce to, to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know who else has a bounce? Who has the a bounce? The lead, uh, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Oh. He's got a bounce because he's made out of, like, he's like rubber. And, and, that's and, right. Uh, and by the way, this is the original Fantastic Four with Jessica Alba and Chris Evans and such. Yeah. Uh, this this is, you know, OG Fantastic Four. Yes. Well, mostly OG. There were other versions, but we yeah, don't want to yeah, talk yeah. about them. Anyway, uh, War of the Worlds is number four, yep. and I'm sure there's some bounce in that. There but is. But I don't know where. And, and you know, Batman Begins is all about the beginning of Batman, which yeah. is showing, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne, played by Christian Bale, getting knocked down, and he bounces back up again. Yes. And I think that the, his little his little Batmobile had some bounce to it. Oh sure, it has those fun like like major wheels that yes, you know, like like you could do like like flips and it would still bounce. Yeah, around. I yeah. think it sounded like a basketball when it bounced out of that. Boing. Yeah. Boing. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, for 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 being a little low energy, you did you did you ripped right through those. That was good. You know, you know. Well, I I needed you to give me a little bounce. Okay. Hey, 
There we go. There you go. Right. So what was happening on this day at this time? Yeah. Well, on July 13, a couple episodes before this, a couple episodes, a couple of days before this episode aired, the police procedural The Closer debuts on TNT starring Kira Sedgwick. On the 14th of July, we have the 38th annual San Diego Comic-Con International opening up in San Diego Comic-Con uh, Convention Center. Uh-huh. Uh, this is back when the Comic-Con was, uh, like, still big and huge, but kind of still nerdy. A little yes, bit. yes. Um, yeah, this was, we, we are on the cusp of when nerdiness becomes popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not there yet. Not, we're not there, there yet. yet. But we're, we're close. Yep. Uh, and on the 16th of July, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the sixth book in the series by J.K. Rowling, is published worldwide with 9 million cop- copies sold in 24 hours. That's right. That's and, a lot. And very importantly, I'm not exactly sure exactly when you and I met Zach, but it was pretty close-ish to now. So it's about a month from well, two week, two to four weeks after this. Because I didn't move into oh. uh, seminary housing until August. Gotcha. Okay. All uh, right. And I can't remember exactly when it was. I'm pretty sure it was early August yeah. of 2005. And so we would have met within, we met within two or three days of my gotcha. arrival. Gotcha. Uh, you may have already been there by then. By yes, I was. Time. Yep. But I hadn't moved in yet. So. There you go. Yep. So um, give us a couple more weeks and, and we will have officially entered the Zach and Brent have become friends zone. Yes, it's a major zone. It is a major zone. We have some trivia for this episode. Are you yeah, ready? Okay. okay, so Carter is only shown in headshots in this episode because yep. Amanda Tapping was pregnant at the time of filming. Yep. Uh, by the time this was airing, I'm pretty sure she was on uh, 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 maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she was filming her headshots... For her conversation with with uh, Mitchell, um, you know, yeah, yep. Uh, so this episode takes place approximately two months after the events of Threads, Mobius, and the Siege parts one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was there was some chatter on the discords yesterday about when this episode aired, and and if you listen to the dialogue of this episode, it's pretty clear that uh, uh, the uh, the events of See the siege part three, which we haven't seen yet. Correct. Um, have concluded. Have concluded. Yes. By the time this happens. Yeah, I uh, noticed that too, and I was like, "Oh!" And it was fine. Well, I mean, it, none of it says how things conclude. No, and you no, no, know no. things are going to conclude in a reasonably positive way, way <laughs> because that's how TV works. All, all, all that happened was there was a there was some dialogue that I was a little confused by, like as in, like, wait, what they. They said that, like, I know what they're talking about. Oh, that must have been gotcha. Okay. And then we moved on. Yep. Um, now I'm, I got to look it up. Oh, that's the wrong button. Come on. Give me the right button. Never mind. I'm not going to look it up. You can cut that out. <laughs> what? what were you going to look up? I was, I was going to click up on, click. All right. Now, so I was going to pull up the, <laughs> the, uh, the episode ranking because I was curious as when, um, uh, when the siege oh, part when three, siege three aired, yeah, aired. Um, it also aired on July 13. Same day, same day. Uh, um, it, I don't know, it, I don't know if it aired before or after this. No, the 13th is two days before. 
No, no, no. The Siege Part 3 was July 15th. Oh, yeah. Well, then did it air before or after? As in, like, you know, air... Whatever. Whatever. I, I, I Like I said, I don't recall... No, no, no. It's fine. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, it totally matters, but on the other hand, it's like, uh, until we can find, like, a TV guide listing. <laughs> I wonder. Okay, you keep going. I'm going to see if I can find a TV guide. <laughs> yeah, okay. So... Uh, this so we've been calling um, Walter Harriman Chief Master Sergeant for quite a while. Yes, but this is actually the episode when he's actually promoted to Chief Master Sergeant. Before he was just like a uh, Master Sergeant, but yeah. now he's Chief. Yeah. So Master Chief. I think he screws it up. I think he says Master's Chief. Uh, I don't know. Uh, at one point in time, uh, General Landry calls him Sergeant when he should have called him Chief because when you're yeah, uh, chief master sergeant, you get called chief and not sergeant. But yeah, you know, oh, well, uh, we do have an homage in this episode to Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. Uh, this is, of course, when Mitchell is flying in his uh, F-302 compared to Luke in his snowspeeder. And he's got his guy in the back who got blowed up and he's broken. And at one point in time, he's like, hang on back there. And then which is actually less about that and more about his X-wing with Luke. But that's beside the point. Um, and then you got the crash into the, the, the snow, which is similar to the snow speeder and such in Empire yep. Strikes Back. So I uh, figured I needed to mention that uh, yep. for, for all of us Star Wars and Stargate nerds out there. Yes. Yep. Um, Mitchell mentions that he uh, has read all of the, case, the, the, the files uh, for, for uh, SG-1. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually some of that's in second part, so just to skip that. But anyway, um, Ben Browder, after getting cast as uh, Lieutenant Mitchell, insisted on watching all of the Stargate SG One episodes up to this point, and so he watched. Oh yeah, like all 180 episodes or whatever it was, um, uh, in in the course of two weeks. Yeah, that wow, 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 that is devotion, man. Yeah, well, you know, if you get paid to watch TV, you watch TV. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that is that is a, that is a good point. Um, and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. was apparently considered for the role of Jack Landry, uh, ah, Hank Landry. Okay, that's yeah. a typo. That's a that's a uh, uh, autocorrect typo. Hank Landry. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, incidentally, uh, we will actually see Lou Gossett Jr. in a future episode. Okay. So that's a little teaser there. All right. Uh, this episode, in other languages, the French call it the Treasure of Avalon. Uh-huh, yes. The Italians call it a new adventure. Yeah. And everybody else calls it Avalon. Avalon. Yep. Well, do, with that, do, do. are you ready for the synopsis for this episode? Yes, let's dive into it. All right, here we go. Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell walks up the ramp to the Stargate. He marvels at the ancient ring that takes us to different places. Mitchell was one of the F-302 pilots that battled Anubis' fleet over Antarctica. During that battle, he destroyed an enemy vessel bearing down upon SG-1 in their Al-Kesh, and later he was hit and crashed into the snow. After battling back from injury, General O'Neill offers him anything he wants. Well, well, not anything. It Anything professional. Well, you know. I, you know, yeah. So, Mitchell wants to join the best of the best. He wants to join SG-1. And now, he gets his opportunity. There's just one catch. 
Teal'c, Carter, and Jackson have all decided to take different assignments. Yeah. Teal'c has returned to Dakar to help the Jaffa build the new government. Carter is at Area 51 running R&D. And Jackson is getting ready to move to Atlantis, the city of the ancients. Mm-hmm. Mitchell is quite literally stunned when General Landry, the new commander of the base, gives him this news. The general places in Mitchell's hands a stack of personnel files with the order, pick your new team. Mm-hmm. Mitchell begins interviewing candidates, none of whom are quite right for SG-1. Mitchell wants to get the band back together, and so he goes to talk to each of the former members of the team, and they all reject his offer to return to action as SG-1. Mm-hmm. Later, the Stargate activates. General Landry is glad that Colonel Mitchell was able to be there. They are receiving a visitor with an intriguing story. Vala Maldron walks through the gate. Her presence is like a gravity well drawing the psychic energy in the room toward her. She doesn't recognize this new colonel and instead insists on seeing her Daniel. <laughs> yes. She has a tablet written in ancient that ostensibly leads to a great stash of ancient treasures. And this trove of goodies is somewhere on Earth. The tablet is written in code. Vala has the cipher, but she still needs Daniel to help translate it. But, also, but Vala is also wily. She knows that the SGC has far too much power to be trusted with this treasure. The tablet is hers, and she gets her fair share of the loot. Mm-hmm. And to guarantee that she does, she slaps a Gould Cormac bracelet onto Daniel's wrist. Like, you know, one of those, you know, slap bracelets of the 1990s. Yes. Uh, and it's pair she slaps on her own wrist. Poof. The two are linked. And if, Dan- if she and Daniel are separated from lo- for long, he will die. Yes. What she doesn't know is, but she learns very quickly, is that if they're separated for too long, she also will die. Oh. Oh. They truly are linked. Mm, yes. Dr. Lee attempts to cut the bracelet off to no avail. He suggests maybe removing the hand and then attempting to reattach it. Mm-hmm. But Daniel doesn't <laughs> seem impressed with this idea. Tilk returns from Dakar to explain what this bracelet is all about. Mitchell is happy that he kind of, sort of, not really, but he'll take it. Got the m- most of the band back together. Woo! Yep. Mitchell suggests that they just go on a quest together to find the treasure. You know, the sooner they find the treasure, the sooner Vala will take off those bracelets, and the sooner everything can get back to normal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Daedalus left for Atlantis, leaving Daniel behind. Bummer. Sorry, Daniel. But you're the lead character of this show, and you can't go to that show. You gotta stay here. (laughs) So, with nothing else to do, Daniel translates the tablet. The tablet was written by an ancient who fled Atlantis after the war with the Wraith, whose name was Myrdin. Yeah. Jackson continues by revealing that we know this Myrdin guy by another name. Merlin. <gasps> Ooh. Yes, yes, folks. Merlin, the great wizard for King Arthur Pendragon and his Knights of the Round Table was an ancient. Yeah. Mic drop. Boom. Boom. So further research leads Daniel to, to conclude that the treasure is located beneath Glastonbury Tor in England. Oh, how convenient. Yes, very much. So they travel to the Prometheus and use the ship's new Asgard sensors to scan the British countryside. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they are able to map a series of tunnels and chambers. Oh. The whole complex was hidden behind special 
ancient shields that thwarted various ground-penetrating radar technology that us lowly humans already possess. Yes. Which is why we haven't discovered this yet. Obvi. Duh. Mitchell, Teal, Daniel, and Vala use the ship's rings to transport down to the caves. Sure enough, they find a sword stuck in a stone. Aha! Uh-huh. And Mitchell tries to remove it, but fails. They are also visited by a hologram of Merlin himself, Ooh. complete with a hat. Ooh. Oh, yes. Merlin tells them that only the worthy, those with a wealth of knowledge and truth of spirit, will gain access to the treasures of the ancients. The team splits up and explores the tunnels. Mitchell and Teal go one way, Vala and Daniel go another way. Each group finds a room with an interesting puzzle. Each are subsequently trapped inside their respective rooms. Yeah. And when Vala tries to solve her puzzle without properly thinking through things, suddenly the roof begins descending upon their heads. And like both groups' heads. Oh, no. Their only hope is to solve the puzzles before they are crushed to death. Oh, no. To be continued. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, Brent. Yeah. Avalon part one. Mm hmm. What'd you think? Uh. Do you remember, Zach, when you were like 13 or so? Probably around 13. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but do you remember every now and again, you'd be like walking up a flight of stairs or something, and then you'd just find yourself suddenly like, you know, not no longer upright, like something caught and you just and it just it was it was a disaster. Yeah. And and everybody pretty much every human being has gone through something of that sort there 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 suddenly suddenly their 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 feet got a weirdly too long or their you know their parents got sick of buying shoes every 6 months and so they bought them <laughs> like a size too big and <laughs> and and it just sort of like it just sort of stumbles around a little bit um boy that's a lot like watching this episode <laughs> okay yeah Say like more. Well, the very beginning of it, like the transition, ah, oh gosh, the transition was real clonky, real just clomp, clomp. And like, I, I can, I can see, I can see where they were trying to go with this thing. I can see that they were trying to create reasons why uh, the main cast might be a little bit thrown hither and yon. I can see that they had to kind of deal with the problem that Teal'c ought not be with SG-1 anymore. I can see that they were dealing with the problem of, you know, why would Daniel Jackson keep, stay, you know, stay on Earth if he has access to go to Atlantis? And then they had the real world problem of Amanda Tapping being pregnant and Sam Carter not being pregnant. Um and they had the real world problem of of uh, saying goodbye to Richard Dean Anderson, which created kind of like a double gap in the show. Whereas in the old days, he was the leader of SG one. And recently he was the general. We kind of sort of got around that by by having SG one being a team of three and seemingly constantly, you know, having chats with with uh, General O'Neill like so regularly that it looked more like a team of four sort of. With the fourth member, you know, being stuck behind a desk. Um, Right. So you had all these problems that you had to somehow like kind of figure out and reintroduce. But as I was watching it, I I, I just couldn't shake the feeling that that I, I wasn't impressed with the path that they took. 
I think that the path that was the smoothest was the General O'Neill to General What's His Face transition. Landry. Um, uh, who? Landry. Hank Landry. Landry. I'll get there. Um, yep. So, you know, like, I think that that one was the smoothest. And I think that one was the easiest to sort of like gesture at like, yeah, like even when uh, Colonel O'Neill joined SG-1 again in season one, it was wait, remind me in the movie, he was definitely kind of like he wasn't really retired. Was he retired? But he got called up into active service again. So. I don't think that he was retired in the movie. Uh, I think he was on some sort of um, leave. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly, I mean, part of that movie was was talking about the ghost of his, um, you know, his own personal demons after the death of his son. Yes. Um, and so I think he was basically on some sort of personal leave. Um, maybe it was a health leave yeah. or something. Um, but he was um, ready to call it quits on everything. And then at the beginning of season one, I think he was retired, wasn't he? He was getting called was. up out of retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the but the but the big point is that um, from O'Neill's point of view, he was kind of sort of on borrowed time anyway, sort of right. Like he was here because he was asked to be here, and then he was here because it was he liked being here. But but when it came time for him to be like, okay, I'm really done now, it didn't shock me and even though he apparently is not retired but he's just not here anymore yeah o'neill i think in according to canon um o'neill replaces um hammond as the general for home world security okay um so uh o'neill is still active military um but he's not in charge of day-to-day operations of the SGC. And I'm a hundred percent willing to buy that within, within story, right? Just because he kind of, he, he was there and he was present and he liked being a member of SG one. He liked being part of the SGC, but there was something authentic about his character, which was just always kind of just kind of looking outside it. Like, you know, he, he'd actually rather be in Minnesota. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like he, and so therefore, when the opportunity came to leave the SGC, like I, that one felt authentic um, that that Daniel missed his ride on the Daedalus, Dondalus, Dubidus, uh, I, 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 I groaned out loud when that line was delivered. Oh, by the way, like the Daedalus left two days or two hours, whatever it left a bit ago. And and Daniel kind of kerplunked on back on the bed and it was played for a little bit of comedic effect. But I was sitting there like, 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 like he should be like raging mad. <laughs> like, I don't know how often that ship's going to come back and forth. I'm not sure how, how, how frequently there's going to be an opportunity to get to Atlantis. But but to once again be denied the ability to go to this place that he desperately wants to see. It's just like, oh, my God. Gosh, like I felt really bad for Daniel Jackson in that moment, even mm. though the scene wasn't played like that. And he, you know, the story didn't didn't allow us to feel bad for him. The story was supposed to make us feel like, ha oh, he missed it. Oh, well, guess he's got to stay here now. I was like, no, that's actually a catastrophe. <laughs> like, 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 imagine that you had like, you know, a professional opportunity 
uh, was right there in front of you and you got the green light and you were packing. You were literally packing and the boat was leaving in hours and you miss it. Like, can you, like that's a you, big deal. You'd be really upset. <clears throat> and so, you know, that he's still on Earth. Fine. That Teal'c came back to describe why bracelets work. That was real weird. That one was really weird. You could have called him on the phone and said, these are how the bracelets work. Like, and, and. So I, I take that as, 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 uh, for me, you're right. hundred percent. You're right. But I also think that, that there's a couple things going on there. One, I don't think Teal'c actually likes politics. And so, uh, if there's an excuse, especially if they're on recess to get away from politics, I think he's willing to take it. Fair. Especially when one of his best friends, Daniel Jackson, is sick or potentially. Yeah, yeah, so you put those two together yeah. and I mean, is it contrived? Yes. Yeah. It's but does contrived. it make sense within? Yeah. I mean, if you kind of break it down, it, it does. It, it does fit the pattern of who we understand to, to be. I, I hear you. I, I and I, I don't fault you for this. I think you're squinting because he is honor bound. <laughs> Like, like a major part of his character development has been his devotion to the Jaffa. And they are in a position of weakness right now, not strength. Right. They are they are they're unable to coalesce. I, I hear you. He's probably really frustrated. He probably is like, this is not what I signed up for. That's all true. I, 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 and so then you're telling me that he's like, therefore, I'm going to split seas. And I hear what you're saying probably on recess or whatever. I'm also looking at this from the meta point of view of like, like how are they going to square this angle? Like, like Teal ought not be a part of SG one at all. Like full stop. Um, how are they going to get this to work? So right now it's working because Daniel was ill and Teal was, you know, worried and he came by and he's like, Oh yeah, you're wearing bracelets and la 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 la. Oh, yeah, let's go on an adventure together. Okay. And then, you know, with Amanda Tapping just being out, that makes sense um, that her character was doing uh, was overseeing R&D like that kind of makes sense. Um, Samantha Carter, I uh, in the in the framework of SG one up to this point, I hadn't really gotten the impression that Samantha would rather be somewhere other than the SGC. Um. So that one kind of feels a little flimsy, but it's not so heinous. It's not like so, it's crazy. So on that one, I will 100% agree with you that I think that if, like, like I could understand Samantha Carter choosing at this point in time after the events of Mobius to head R&D. Yeah. That, I could buy that. That said, if all that was just happening right there with Daniel and such, um, I think she would have been there alongside Teal'c. Oh, yeah. And, um, and but I mean, obviously she can't because of, uh, you know, real world things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can hand wave. But you know what? The, 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 hang on, though. Let me be a little bit critical, though. Um, You can. They did it. They did. They, they framed the shot when uh, when new guy was in the in the bed. Um, Right. Like Samantha had the wrong hair. <laughs> I think she had her current hair. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, it's the little things, right? But the point no. is that, like, you know, when she was awarding the Congressional Medal of Honor, 
um, they framed the shot such that it was very difficult to tell if she was pregnant. And you'd have a harder time in a hospital scene and you would have a real hard time in adventure scene. Yeah, you'd have a real hard time in adventure scene. So I think think the issue has less to do with the fact that that she was pregnant, uh, although she was pregnant when she filmed those couple little bits there, here and there, but that she was on maternity leave. So if she were pregnant, could you have done fancy things? Yeah, they have been doing fancy things to hide pregnancies gotcha. for decades. Yeah, no, she was she was in the but middle of like, not going to be here. Yeah, she's not there. Yeah, no, and, that's and, fair. And you can't you can't fake that. Yeah, but you know, so yes, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I, I'm. It's fine. I'm being. I'm. I'm being nitpicky. And additionally, I have to keep in mind they aired this episode three months, three months, three, four months after. No. Five months after uh, season eight ended, like they, uh, they, they probably had more than five months of time to shoot and develop season nine, episode one. Like, you know, they, they had wrapped season eight months before the, the finale aired. Right. So in that regard, it's it's not like they had an extremely abbreviated amount of time, but they didn't have a ton of time. And so they were just kind of. And also, I will I'm being nitpicky because I bet you that how season nine starts. Well, actually, it may matter a lot. But, you know, from the point of view of a television producer, I'm willing to go to bat to say that the producers are like, "Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's just get it up off off the ground and then let's get into the meat and potatoes like we can't just pretend like there's no transition at least we gotta we gotta try to explain the transition but we're not gonna just labor the point and rack our brains we've got three plausible ideas as to why the team is away three plausible ideas to get half the team old team back together again let's go let's let's start shooting it's good enough um it's only part one of a three-parter like gotta keep moving i'm sitting here just like chewing on this bone Partly because it's the first episode. I just watched it. Then the next mm-hmm. one doesn't air for a week. Um, two, I'm a nerd, so I pay attention to these details. Three, I'm a critic, so I also am paying attention to how the story is being told. Right. So I'm I'm being a little over over the top. So I probably should just let it go. But I, I'm not. <sighs> yeah. So how how did I how did I feel about this episode? There was a lot of cool stuff. Um, I liked their pivot into the authorian stuff. It felt genuine enough. Uh, it felt a little contrived that, uh, that, oh, it's been under our nose the whole time. I mean, I get it. You're not, how, how else are you going to do it? But it, it did feel a little bit like super convenient. Oh, we, we, we now have the technology exactly at the right time to, uh, to, to, to see this stuff. Uh, whereas we didn't before. Okay. Um, and the, setup was fine enough um having vala come by with some information um having the a- ancient tablet written in a codex but she had it okay uh you know she had three quarters good information from the guy that she stole it from you know i mean it was it was it was fine uh but now that we're here it's at least intriguing my interest is peaked let's put it that way um you know, what do we got going on here? Where is this going to go? It, it, obviously, from David's awesome promo about, you know, the big bad guys that are yet to be seen so far, uh, this is going to matter. But, you know, right now it's more of a, you know, curiosity. It's like, OK, all right. Well, you know, we got uh, 
Now we got Arthurian lore happening here, so let's let's explore this a little bit. See where we go. I thought that um, that Vala's appearance was um, was welcome, but I'm still not yet used to her character. Here's why. I how how can I say this? I said it before when Vala first appeared on screen. I have absolutely no problems at all with um, humor that's based in sexuality. Not at all. It felt jarring at the time because it hadn't really happened in Stargate until she showed up. Right. That's not a problem, but it definitely was like, go. Okay. Okay. Here we are. And then it went away and now it's back. And I'm absolutely okay with sex jokes being put in my entertainment for sure. But it still was a little jarring when she was making the jokes. And then I started thinking about it is like, am I looking at it from a position that um, that women can't be making these jokes, that these jokes are only for men? And it's like, yeah, that's a that's that's a decent question for me to ask myself. I think the answer is no, but I am recalling about how in the early 2000s, there seemed that I think I was seeing examples where media was trying to really push hard against the notion that women can't tell jokes about sex. And I wonder if this is fitting in that zone where where it was a little bit shocking and that was on purpose. Like, yeah, it's a woman talking about sex. What are you going to do about it? Um, now, it feels almost a little out of place because it just it, it feels just a little over the top. And I'm really being hesitant here because maybe I'm really just speaking from my own um, experience, like exclusively, like maybe there are other people who are like, it's not over the top at all. And it was fine. And yeah, there was a moment where it was shocking. And that was in the early 2000s. But that that's past. That's long since gone. And so this is just a character who's making a joke about how disappointed she was. The last time she was this disappointed was having sex with Daniel. That was funny. I laughed. I was just like, that's 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 a harsh dig. But hey, you know, <laughs> like, um, and so I, I, I think, you know, like when she's in the when she's in the hospital bed and she <laughs> whips out that huge grin. Yeah, I did say the word whips out and huge um, and is all like, let's make babies. <laughs> it was just like, I was laughing like I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was very silly. But again, it was just this like it was it was just kind of I had I wasn't expecting it really. Uh, if Vala becomes a major guest star, if she's constantly around more or less uh, and keeping that same attitude, I suspect I'll I suspect one, it'll be fine. As in, like, I'll, I will just get used to it and it won't be quite so surprising anymore. And two, I bet if they're willing to go down that road, I bet you that they can find jokes that will work better or land better. I think maybe I don't know that that will fit more, perhaps um, that that is still a little bit, a little bit new. And so they're still kind of working on it, but I expect that they, they could probably make it work. So there you go. Um, so uh, just real quick yeah. on, on some of that. Um, a, your critique on the the sexuality and the sex jokes and such is not unique to you. There were plenty of mm. other folks, even at the time, who were like, whoa, is this what Stargate is about? 
Um, were they having conversations about whether these sex jokes can be in the voice of women or not? I don't recall specifically one way sure. or the other whether those were parts of the conversations. It certainly wouldn't surprise me if some of that was happening somewhere because this was the early 2000s and yeah. we're still having conversations like that today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some of it also was, uh, especially when... When Claudia Black came on the show in the first episode in Prometheus Sunbound, mm-hmm. um, she, as an actor, was given a lot of free reign to just kind of really explore the insanity of this character. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you compare this character to uh, her Farscape character, um, they're very, very different characters. Mm, mm-hmm. the The Farscape character was a very straight laced, military, by the books kind of uh, character, uh, almost al- almost more like Teal'c, where there's very little humor in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm quite certain that some of what's happening is uh, Claudia Black saying, "I get to do fun, goofy yeah, things." Yeah, sure, yeah. And 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 letting herself. Uh, just fill that space. I wonder if the let's make babies line was an ad lib. It could. Very, I don't know. I mean, she had well the grin. It. She had the big grin on like, like <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was it funny. Was. I laughed. Let's make babies. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and, oh, and, and the pillow, like Daniel whipping the pillow. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was great. The, I loved the, it. On a personal note, I have always enjoyed the the chemistry and the relationship between Daniel Jackson and Vala. Yeah, uh, I, I think I I think that uh, those two actors have great chemistry on screen, and those characters how they interact with each other uh, in a very love hate, yes. playful, sexy type of way. Yeah, I've enjoyed that. Sure. Always have. Yeah. Um, now that said, uh, Vala is a character that um that splits the fan base Mm. there are some fans who really really just don't like her at all yeah there are some fans who love her yeah uh frankly the same is true to some degree with uh with cam mitchell and ben browder yeah um for you know and we'll just have to you know there it is um I, I can respect those who don't like those characters. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have any strong feelings one way or the other about Cam Mitchell. I, I, I think Ben Browder does a fine job. I think Cam Mitchell is a different type of character than O'Neill, which is good. Um, but also the same type of leader, uh, you know, still has a strength of leadership and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is also, a di- it's, you know, it's not just uh, a younger version of O'Neill. There's something different there, yeah. and I think it needed to be that. Um, now that does lead to some brashness that that some uh, don't like. I don't care one way or the other too much. Now I know that I have been going on and on about my thoughts. Oh, but I think it's kind of a, I think it's a little important. I think this is a pilot, as you mentioned, as they were treating it, as it's Stargate 1.5. Like I think that it's worth kind of a long moment. Just because this is the foundation of something else. Right. And I can see how the fan base might have been pretty teed that it was something else that 
uh, that I can I can I could appreciate how keeping the SG one label on it might have been abrasive. Um, I disagree with that idea, but I can see how somebody might uh, not want Stargate one point five. They want Stargate one, right? They want right. the first one. Uh, they don't want this 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 weird tension in these new characters. They want the old ones. And, you know, there's definitely a eye roll reality of like, yeah. And I wish that I was 17 too. sometimes. <laughs> um, right. But like, you know, but it's not happening. And so um, either, either we are in for the ride with the new thing or we're not. And those are both valid choices, but we can't be on the ride being like this. Thanks. I'd like the old ride better. The old loops were more interesting. This ride, get off. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to be here. So get off the ride. Yeah, but it was my ride first. It very well may have been your ride first. That is true, but that is not true today. I'm sorry that the world changed. Here we are. I'm not sorry. Right. So one other thing that I wanted to bring up and then I'll let it go because it was just like, I I forgot about it until you were mentioning about how Cam Mitchell and his introduction, like I I don't yet get or appreciate or see how the 15 minutes of television at the start ties into anything like he was a major contributor to the Battle of Antarctica. He was an individual who single-handedly helped preserve the lives of SG-1 through heroic action. He was so uh, so committed to his his work in the heroic action that he sac- that he put himself at grave danger, lost his lost his co-pilot, and nearly lost his own life uh, in the com- in the completion of his duties. He miraculously survived. Um, and here he is and SG one owes him a great debt, but he's not here. Like, I, I just don't, I don't get it yet. Like you, I don't think that you had to have that much screen time and work put into why is he here? Um, he could be here for a whole host of reasons. He doesn't have to be here because he was part of the battle of Antarctica. Um, so, so I'll, I'll answer that question because this is actually one of the questions that, um, the writers had to think about. Why is this new character here? Um, and one of the things that they wanted to do is like the, the, the trope when you add a new character like this is you add this new character and there's this sense of, well, I don't know if I really like you or not. I'm going to be skeptical of you and like, Oh, Hey, maybe you're not so bad. Yeah. Right. That's the trope. Yes. You know, because you're here to replace my beloved character and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to like you. But oh, hey, OK, well, maybe you're not so bad. And like, right. OK, well, I guess I'll begrudgingly like you. Oh, maybe I'll like you now. Right? Yeah. That's the trope. And they wanted to do something different. So they wanted to create a character who had um, immediate sympathies and respect from the the other characters right so they all knew that that uh um if it hadn't been for cam mitchell taking out the uh, alkesh or whatever it was that was barreling down on yeah their alkesh um that they would have gone boom and then that would have been the end of that that was close they know that and then they know how much that you know this um you know air force colonel i don't know what he was at the time uh, went through to to rehab and get back, right? 
Yeah. Um, and so there, there is already that respect, that that honor, that that feeling that you know what you deserve to be here. It's not like you know because we we've had other people come in and replace O'Neill or yeah. Jackson or something. Yeah. And and everybody's like, I don't like you. Yeah. And it turns out they don't like them for good reasons because they're not good, they're not good people. Right. Um. Well, some of them. Some of them just turned out to be. Who cares? Right. Um. And so they wanted something different. And so why did they have fifteen minutes at the beginning of this episode introducing that character? Because they needed to do that for the audience. The audience needed to see who this character was and that their beloved heroes thought this guy was pretty cool. And here's why. Um, because Stargate fans, like fandoms all over the place, can be um, pretty rabid at times. Yeah. And, well, you know, so that, that's why they did it. Um, now, if they, they had the luxury of doing that because they were able to take this story and spread it out over three episodes of which we've only seen one third. Yes. So we have only seen the first 45 minutes of a two and a half hour movie. And I mean, th that's what you get. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you get the introduction of characters, the introduction of setting and a description of why I should care for like this character. Well, then <clears throat> I think that my, I think that my critique of it then is that if that is what they were aiming at, I think that that the 15 minutes that I got was then almost milk toast. And here's why. Um, I, I see where you're going. I definitely can see how absent some kind of long reveal, we all will be who's this guy and where's my Jack? Like uh, I can I can respect that. Even though that's unfair, I can totally see that happening. Um, then I would rather a story where maybe the first 45 is talking about why this guy matters. And I get it. This is not the story that they were telling. They were telling it, you know, they're, they're launching season nine. They're not rehashing season seven or whatever that was. Um, uh, but I don't think it's a grave sin to have a 45 minute episode with obvious clear and obvious connections to sg1 but it's not but they're but they're kind of on the side where we get to see this guy get to see him do stuff get to appreciate what he is doing in universe get to see him suffer and recover you know what i mean like i think that there's room for a third of the big story to just sit there and just focus on him and get us invested in this character, get us to sit there and be like, yeah, this is a good guy. He's not Jack O'Neill. He's Cam Mitchell. He's a different person. He's had different experiences. They are relate. They're, they're connected, but here's his journey. And Oh, Hey, by the way, at the end of this, uh, of this description of his journey, it places him here, walking up to the Stargate, looking to join SG one. At a moment when Jack O'Neill has left, when SG-1 has disbanded, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, like, I think that you could have a moment where you're like, I really like this guy. Let's go. And it feels a little bit more beefy than this kind of weird, like, you know, like, you know, Battle of Hoth type thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of, it was just, it, it worked. No, let me rephrase that. I don't think it actually worked. It, 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 it was sufficient to get us going. But 
It's a pilot, Brent. Yeah, That's okay. all it's supposed okay. to do. Okay. All right. All right. You're right. Okay. I've talked a lot. I've talked a lot. Hi, Zach. How are you? What do you think about this episode? <laughs> I've shared a number of my thoughts along the way. <laughs> um, you know, in the final analysis, uh, I, I recognize a couple of things. One, we have only seen the first third of a story. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually gotten to any of the action yet. No, no, not really. Um, and, and so, you know... On 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 its own merits, this episode is kind of it's fine. Sure. It 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 introduces some characters. Uh it reintroduces some old characters who have kind of a new place. Um it uh invites us to think of, you know, moving towards a different way of picturing this universe that we've known for seven, eight years now at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. Um but it only hints at all of that stuff um, because what's coming next is not here yet. Yeah. Um, so part of what's going on is that you know, the, uh, when I first watched this episode, uh, it was, okay, I want to see where this is going. You know, I, I, I was reserving judgment. Yes. You know, uh, I mean, I, I'm like, I... I I don't know what's going on exactly, and I don't know where they're going, but I know they're going somewhere. We have clearly created a trajectory, and and I see that, and I see that we're moving in that direction. Where are we going? And and that's where I was when I first watched this episode twenty years ago, almost. Um, and now I I, I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um. But at the same time, that's where we paused at this point in time, right? So, um, I, I'm kind of in that place of, you know, I, I, I like what we have so far, and I want to know where it goes, and I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Yes. Um, like I said, I, I uh, enjoy the character of Vala. Uh, I think she's just a fun character in the Stargate universe. Um, unlike any other character that we've had, which um, gives her a unique quality, I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, this was my introduction to Vala. I don't, I can't, I mean, I, I'm sure I, I saw Prometheus Unbound prior to seeing sure, this yeah, episode. Sure, yeah, 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 but I can see but, how, yeah. But I don't, like, my, you know, yeah, so this was... You know, back in 2005, this was sort of my introduction to Vala because mm-hmm. I don't remember uh, having met that character before, even though I'm sure I had just it had been two years before that. And, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen anything, uh, seen those episodes much beyond that either. So, um, you know, Cam Mitchell, you know, at this point in time, like when I was watching this episode the first time, uh, I was excited because it was new Stargate. Sure. Um and I knew that, you know, there was new Stargate. I knew that uh, Richard Dean Anderson wasn't going to be there, mm-hmm. that we had this new guy, Cam Mitchell. Uh, in fact, I started watching Farscape because I uh, knew that Ben Browder was in Farscape mm-hmm. and Ben Browder was now in this. Um, I've never finished Farscape. <laughs> um, I've gotten through... I think I've watched the first two seasons a couple of times as I've tried. Sure. Uh, and then I get busy um, with life. So I've never actually seen all of Farscape. Um, 
I think it's a good show. It's it's okay. not a show that I need to watch. Yeah. Um. There you go. Um. Sorry, Farscape listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> they forgive you. I hope so. Probably. Probably. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that rude, but in any case, um, we don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, I was just, uh, you know, I was excited to see, okay, um, we're going to have a new bad guy. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we, we have been teased here, Brent, this time. With a little bit about who this bad guy is and, and what's going on. Uh, we don't really know much about it. Um, you know, at the time, I was just teased that there was, you know, they kind of wrapped up the, the Goo'uld story as the main villain. Yeah. And they're moving in a different direction. I'm like, okay, where are they going? Yeah. What are they going to do? Uh, who are they going to do it with? Uh, you know, all of these things. And so this was an episode where that was just, uh, you know, beginning that process. Um, and, you know... It has kind of a, you know, it definitely slowly builds us in, right? Because it starts with this kind of just this, uh, you know, quiet, uh, no talking, just looking at the gate and just kind of, you know, pondering that, thinking about that. Um, you know, so it just kind of slowly ekes into it. Um, but for me, it worked. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, you know, they... Uh, at one point in time, I appreciated the humor of the interviewing candidates for SG-1. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I appreciated that humor in that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there wasn't a single character there that I think should have even been in the pile of options. Uh, yeah, but well, yeah, it, yes, it was a gag. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I will, I will forgive it because, you know, it was a gag, yes. right? It was, it was totally designed to be, uh, humorous and, and to, to make you, uh, chuckle at yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and on that front, I chuckled, right? Yep. And then I put myself in the actual universe and I'm like, why is he even, it's like, some call me Dave. Yeah. And I see here, that's your name. I mean, you know, I mean, I think, he was funny, but at the I, same time, I'm like, seriously, I think that the energy of that is similar to the energy of the first 15 minutes for me, where it just it it made sense. And the show was saying this is happening now. And so I was like, OK, fine. But it didn't really feel like it belonged. And as you say, it's a pilot. And as I am understanding, like we're trying to find our feet and do 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 do. But there was a piece of it that was, uh, I'll use the word inauthentic. I'm not sure if that's the best word, but it felt like um, it didn't quite feel like it belonged in the story of heroes, especially our heroes. Um, it was funny and it worked in, in, in the gag sense, but it wasn't it wasn't heroic. It didn't belong in this in, the, in an epic. It was. Yeah. And not to say that these things have to always be just big and awesome, but you know what I mean? But, but this is an important moment and, you know, not delivering on feeling congruous, I think matters to me. So I, I think that to me, the first 15 minutes or so of this episode 
feels like roughly the first 20 minutes or so of various movies, including Stargate. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the first yeah. 20 minutes of Stargate, um, after, you know, we get that little prologue of seeing, uh, depending on which version you're watching, you know, you get to see uh, the, the boy who becomes Ra get taken. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you get to see some of that maybe. Um, but... And then you get to see like them finding the Stargate in in the desert. Yeah. And but then it, you know fast forwards to today, and we're like in the well, rain. With um, Daniel Jackson giving a talk. Jackson's yeah. giving a, a speech and he's talking about weird things. And everybody yes. leaves. Yes. And then you have the the military guys going to um, O'Neill's house, and he's like, "Well, you can talk to him if you want." It says his wife. He's back there, and he's got his gun. And he's thinking about uh, yeah. harming himself. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, there, there's these just tidbits that um, aren't fast. They, they aren't uh, exciting, but they start setting things up. Yes. And if, if we stopped watching the movie after that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'd we would have like, missed out on a whole. Yeah, right. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, uh, and, 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 and that's definitely what we got here. Um. I, I can understand uh, your approach to this, um, you know, to sit here and, uh, you know, your job is to critique. Yes. Uh, and, and so what you're doing is you're taking this episode that we watched and critiquing it. Yes. Right? Which is fine. Um, uh, without recognizing, I mean, but we need to see the rest of the story before we can see how this builds a foundation or at least a springboard for that mm -hmm. um and and you know and until we see that i don't know we need to i need to i need to reserve some judgment on that mm -hmm. yeah. um and you know do, do i think that we could have gotten sure we could have done that differently um like you mentioned having basically a whole episode that that tells of of uh Mitchell's story to get to this point um you know that 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 would have worked could have worked mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh I don't recall if we get any more details on that later on or not yeah maybe maybe not I'll find out um but the story you know th this movie this this three part TV yeah. show you know two and a half hour movie is um is about this new bad guy and a new team which Cameron Mitchell is part of to deal with. Um, but we haven't, you know, we've only seen act one. Yeah. There are two more acts. Yeah. And we need to, you know, until we know where act one fits into that, we need to know what act two and three are. Mm -hmm. um, so there you go. Those are my thoughts. Yep. yep. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So after just having spent the last five minutes telling about how we need to suspend our, <laughs> Thoughts on things until we see the rest of this, this the movie. <laughs> it's time to to weigh judgment. <laughs> it, it is. It's time to weigh judgment on this. Uh huh. Um. So, uh, I ask you, Brent. Yeah. How many chevrons will you give Avalon Part One? Yeah. So I think that um I think that the teenager tripping up the stairs is still a trip. Uh, I think that it's still not gliding effortlessly. I think that it still looks clonky. I think it still 
failed to actually traverse the flight of stairs uh, in a boring, uninteresting way, which is what the teenager desperately wanted and instead is drawing attention to itself. Uh, I think that that's all true, but it's also very easy to look at this and go, it's a teenager. What else? Come on. Like you can't you can't sit there and expect the teenager to be completely devoid of teenagery things. And so I'm looking at this kind of optimistically and I did like a good amount of what was introduced here. I am in the camp that likes Vala, the character. Um, I think that she's a hoot. Uh, it's a little jarring, but you know, Hey, I, I, I think she's, per- I think she's doing the performance well. And I, and you're right. The chemistry is just fantastic between, uh, between Vala and Daniel. Like it's, it's great. Um, I, Wish that they had made different decisions and I wish that they had told a different story, but this is the story that I got and I am not begrudging it. And I am I am very much looking forward to seeing where this goes. So as a result, I'm going to give this a five out of seven. Uh, I think that the bad parts definitely drag it down for sure. Uh, But uh, I think there's enough meat on this on these bones to, to 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 tell very interesting story. And I'm looking forward to it. And so. uh. I'm currently a five. I can see us getting all the way through season 10 and rewatching this episode. And I either change it to a six or a seven, or I change it to a three or a two. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, right. Like it kind of depends on where it goes. This might be the beginning of something great. This might be the beginning of something terrible. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe this is the beginning of something meh. Um, but right now for me, five out of seven. What about you? Yeah. So I would, uh, uh, generally echo your thoughts there. This this is an episode that I think does a good job of starting the story. Sure. Um, it, it it's not the most exciting thing. Uh, there are things it could have done differently. Sure. Um, uh, it's you know by itself. I, I've got to look at this by itself and not with the other stuff, which is fine because it's been long enough since I've seen Avalon Part Two and the third part that I don't remember exactly all the specifics of that. So. I remember the generals, but not the specifics. Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say that, you know, kind of in you, I'm going to give this a little bit bigger than that. I'm going to give it a five and a half. Sure. Right? It, it's, um, you know, it, it it's not worthy um, on its own, certainly, uh, to go into that elite category of sixes um, and sevens and such. Um, but it's not bad. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, and it doesn't, and it doesn't like fall on its face, you know. So it's better than meh. It doesn't fall on its face. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, it's not outstanding. Sure. Um. But it also gets me to say, okay, this is, you know, I mean, and this is this is the way I have always been when I watch any TV or movies or whatnot. I'm like, okay, let me ride the ride that you're going to show me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and and then when I'm done, I'm like, oh, okay, well, did I like that ride or not? But, you know, um, so this is, you know, whether or not they could have done things differently, this is, this is the ride they gave me. So I'm going to ride yep. this ride yep. and we're going to see where it is. Um, and so far, um, it's, it's good enough. It's, it's better than good enough. Uh, I'm curious just to see where it's going. So five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we have some predictions. Yeah. Um, last I looked, we did not have a lot of um, Facebook predictions. 
but I think that there were a lot of people who um, commented on the Discord. So you might have a long list of things. Uh, I don't know how many. I, I, I see there are some, that's for sure. Yep. Okay. Well, what I find here is a prediction from Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul says, um, Zach gives it a five and a half. Woo! And Brent gives it a five. What? Are you kidding? Holy I'm cow, Paul. Good job. Good job, Paul. He continues. Yes. This is due to how awkward this episode felt as a reboot. Yeah. It was a good episode, but it's weird to not see the SG-1 squad like it was. Zach loves the reintroduction of Vala. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, I can buy that. Yep. Um, and that is all I got. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, let me go ahead. Let me do some. You want me to, to, to you, you go, you go explore while I go say, say what we got in the discords. Yep. Why don't you? All right. That? All right. So we've got Jen. Hi, Hi Jen. Jen. Jen says, and here we go with season nine. Admittedly, I've only watched season nine and 10 once, and I can't remember much of it. So basically, it's like watching it anew. I am one of those old school fans that have a hard time accepting the changes, particularly cast wise. Cameron is the most vanilla of vanilla characters there is. I know he has big shoes to fill, and I'm happy he's not even trying. Daniel has to grow a beard because he needed to be more distinguishable from Cam, basically being the same phenotype and all. I don't really enjoy Vala all that much either, and I'm also not a fan of the sexy alien move they have pulled on her. I might not like the concept of Vala as a character yet, but I do really love Claudia Black and her voice acting work, so I'm willing to give her another chance, similarly to Daniel. Story-wise, this episode is a nice setup for SG-1.5. The comedic elements take center stage as of Season 9. We still don't know what we're quite up to story-wise. As far as we got in part one, I feel like it like we started with the new RPG and we're still on the prologue. Brent and Zach will see this for what it is. Basically a new show with a new paint and some old faces that are allowed to show new facets. I really don't know what to what what to rate this myself, and I'm just as lost about Brent and Zach. Because yeah. of this, I'm going with a middle of the road four out of eight chevrons. Uh, let's see, uh, let's see where this takes us in the most, sorry, let's see where this takes us in the next episode. Brent and Zach will be a bit more positive with Brent rating Avalon a five out of eight chevrons mm-hmm. and Zach will rate this one a 5.5 because Vala the cat. Jen got it too. Holy That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Next, we've got the Mad Baron. Hi, Mad Baron. I can't remember if I know Mad Baron's first name or not. Hi, Mad Baron. If I'm wrong, just be like, it's me. And I'm like, all right, it's you. I'm sorry. The Mad Baron says it begins. The good. Colonel Mitchell is played by a good actor. Ben Browder is great and does a good job giving off. I am new here and want to excel energy. Mitchell is not a bad character. He just inherited a hard situation replacing RDA. Claudia Black has great acting chemistry with Daniel, and despite the armband plot device, they make a great duo. The Bad. A sort of tribute to the early seasons, Aliens Were Our Ancient Culture vibe, and Vala is still too flirty of a character. Way better than before, though. Zach, five chevrons. Very close. Very close. Brent, 
His bagel didn't have enough poppy seeds this morning. The dropping roof in the Arthurian cave is a tropey trope. It totally was. And the armbands got are, are a plot device. It's not bad enough to uh, to uh, integer underflow to a Bane style rating. <laughs> but it could fit anywhere in the series if you take out Colonel Mitchell. Plus, the cheese scene is kind of sorry. The chess scene is kind of pointless. Yeah, he could, however, still talking about me, get a huge kick out of Cameron Mitchell touching the gate in the opening moments, remembering the Antarctica fight. However, oh, yeah. However, imagine if someone dialed in. Oh, boy. (laughs) Four chevrons for Brent. I liked it a little bit more than that. But that's what the Mad Baron had to say. Thank you. Thank Mad you, Mad Baron. Baron. All right. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to comment here that, yes, if, if the gate had begun to spin, I fortunately, we know that this man is smart enough and yes. knows enough about this that yes. when, when you hear, you're like, oh, maybe I should step away from the giant yes. spinning thing. Yes. Yes. But he probably would wet himself. Anyway, we've got JD. Hi, JD. Hi, JD. JD's brief and to the point. He says, I'm going to go with a five from Zach and Brent both. Very, very, very close. Very close. It is a good, solid Stargate SG 1.5 start. And then we've got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. We are back with a new season, new cast, and new title sequence. That's right. I forgot to mention that. That's, I, oh, that's true. I, I, that's, true. that's right. New title sequence. What adventures and possibly treasures await us in the second to last season of Stargate SG-1? Let's find out. One. Ah, the obligatory interview scene. Mm-hmm. Two. Yes. O'Neill is good at chess? Maybe we have smart O'Neill again, like when he used to know stuff about astronomy. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Vala. Boo, says Kevin. I disagree, but that's okay. I disagree. That's how we know we're different. Four, have the rings always looked like that? They looked different this time. I agree. They did look different this time, and I couldn't put my finger on it either. I was talking about the, the rings down to... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think you're right. They did look different. And I'm going to chalk that up to um, uh, at, at ancients doing things at different times and in different ways. Yeah, and yeah. so it's different. Okay. That, that's what that that's my retcon. Yeah, you can have your own. That's a decent <laughs> retcon. Five. Those ancient puzzles would have been a great D D campaign if we ever find out how to solve them. It's you know, it's a, I, I'm assuming we do. Well, maybe we won't. Whatever. It's a good 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 idea though, Kevin. It's going to be Taking really notes. Uh-huh. It's gonna be really <laughs> awkward if at the beginning of the next week's episodes our heroes die. That's true. <laughs> that <laughs> Kevin. All right. Uh, not a super rousing start, but you can tell some groundwork is being laid for a fun adventure. It's hard to start back up again after the ending of season eight. So I'm going to hold that against it. I predict fives from our intrepid WTTS hosts. That's very close. Very close. Ooh. Our host this week. See hey, you next Brent, week. Did you realize that we are intrepid? I, I, I can now put that on my resume. Yeah. Intrepid. See you next week for Avalon part two. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. And then lastly, we've got Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, I've watched Avalon part one so far this round. I'll base my ratings off of that in case I don't get around to watching part two before you record. I'm not a huge fan of watching season nine and ten on reruns, but loved them the first time around. 
It was new and exciting and had two actors I knew and loved from Farscape. Is it Stargate? Is it a different Stargate? But it is bad. Not really. But I can't think of a season Stargate SG-1. But I can't think of it as a season uh, a season of Stargate SG-1. I didn't like the new general in this episode. Perhaps he'll grow on me. It turned into a clip show of sorts, but with new information, which was kind of cool. I think Zach will rate this one a 5.5. Ooh. And Brent... A five. Sean got a two. Oh, another one. Good job, Sean. Sean concludes for me. It's a five two. There we go. That excellent. Well done, everybody. Wow. So that's it. Yeah. For uh for the discords. Thus endeth. Um. So I looked again on uh Facebook, and we don't have any more Facebooks. That was just the only Facebook we got today. But I do have a couple of emails. Uh, one of them yeah. arrived just shortly this morning after we were started recording. Okay, all right, Lydia cool. Ann. So you snuck it in there, Lydia there you Ann. Go. Awesome. All right, here we go. So Lydia Ann says, "New season, new general, and a new guy is here to join SG One to work with the best and brightest because he assisted in one of their world-saving missions." Yep. Except SG One moved on. After eight years of saving the world, they're off pursuing passion projects. Yeah. Unsatisfied yep. with the idea of forming a new team, Cam tries to get the original team back together, but the only enthusiastic volunteer is Vala. Yeah. <laughs> Who isn't even a part of the original team. That's right. <laughs> a fresh SG-1 configuration calls for some team building exercises. A quest, <laughs> if you will, complete with riddles to solve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, the ceilings are descending. The uh-huh. team better get through the, that learning to trust and work with your teammates portion of team building <laughs> real trust, quick or else. <laughs> All right. So the big question of the episode is who is Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell? That story is told with the tension between the flashbacks and the present day original storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, not particularly. Oh, so sorry. The, the, that story is told with the tension between the flashbacks and the present story, present day period. Mm-hmm. Original storytelling, not particularly, but right. used well enough to used well enough here to introduce a new character without slowing down the plot. Mm-hmm. Brent six. Zach six. Okay. Yes. A little high, but yes. Yep. It's definitely in the zone. And I I think this is why I think here is why I think that uh, your suggestion of telling more of that story. I, that's where I disagree with you, Brent. Sure. Because I think that that would have ended up uh, just slowing things down. Uh, Yeah. 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 When I make that suggestion, I don't actually mean to like literally stretch out what we got. I meant to tell us a different but related story as to who this guy is and why he connects to the SG one team. Right. But I guess my point in that is before we can even begin to tell that story, we need to know why we're telling stories in the first place, which requires getting to know who the bad guy is. And so that's what we need to do first. And so we need to tell enough of the Cameron Mitchell story so that we can get to that other story because without that, we don't have a reason to tell stories. Fair. And I counter by saying we already have the bad guy in this moment. The bad guy is our own fear and trepidation of change. And so let that be the villain in the first part of the story and tell us how 
it is vanquished through the connection of Cam Mitchell to SG1. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I will respectfully disagree and uh, turn my attention to David's email. (laughs) Thanks, Lydia. Hi, David. Thanks, Lydia. Yeah. So David says, this Chevron encoding bias buffer seems different to me somehow. Yeah, it's like it's got new graphics. Yes. So, uh, introducing Cameron Mitchell, the true hero of the Battle of Atlantis. Mm. Cameron Mitchell, who has done so much secret important stuff that we did not know about (laughs) that. He, so so much so, uh, so much so, Cameron Mitchell, who has done so much secret important (laughs) stuff that we did not know about, that he gets a medal no one on SG-1 has ever received. Yeah, it's true. Cameron Mitchell, who single-handedly saved the Earth from the forces of Anubis. Cameron Mitchell, who, for his heroism on all his off-planet missions for the SGC, is now given command of SG-1, the most important SG team there is. His first duty, rebuild SG-1 because everyone else is gone. Uh-huh. And also introducing General Hank Landry. He is renowned for um, being here and knowing Jack O'Neill. Yes. Knows him well, apparently. And reintroducing Vala Maldoran. Remember her? She's sexy and funny and flirty and has a fun accent. She has cleavage, too. Yeah. 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 They they did their very best to make sure that we all knew she had cleavage. Yeah. Now, um, according to the commentary, uh, Robert Cooper was conveying a story that uh, Claudia Black said something to the effect of, wow, you guys actually managed to give me boobs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 can, I can absolutely respect how her frame, Claudia Black's frame, might not have been conducive to cleavage. And then that respect, it's, it's impressive. I did an eyebrow furrow. Um, but I also, it, it, they're, it, sexy alien. Again, I mean, like, okay. I don't mind. It's just different. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. David continues. Also with Daniel Jackson. He has a beard now and wants to get the heck off this planet. Yep. Teal'c. He has a different hairstyle now and wears robes and wants to be with his people on another planet. Yes. Samantha Carter. She lives in a computer monitor now and does (laughs) research or something. And development. And... That's part of the other or something. Ah, okay. Now that the exposition is over, let's go do stuff. Let's spin the wheel of adventure and see what we get. <laughs> spin, 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 spin. <laughs> Arthurian lore! Hooray! Merlin was an ancient, and he may have left important MacGuffins hidden in a cave in England. Yeah, go! Uh-huh. <laughs> Danger. How will our heroes survive this? Find out next week. Yep. Not going to find out now. Nope. If there had been no lineup changes, this episode could still be told with a few minor tweaks, but would have, it would have been a single episode. The real two-parter would have been what starts about one-third of the way into next week's episode. However, as is, it suffers from too much exposition, but it was necessary. Mm-hmm. I still liked it, though, and maybe even more on this rewatch. Yep. Yep. Okay. Brent... Five chevrons for the story yes. that was told, but it suffers from having to do a lot of exposition work. Yeah, yeah. Zach? Yeah. Six chevrons oh. for Vala and her accent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very, 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 very close. Good job. 
There he goes. All right. Well, thank you very much, all y'all, for your predictions. Yes, I just thank you said so much. all y'all. All y'all's predictions. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. Uh, next week, Brent. Yeah. We will continue this story with Avalon Part 2. Yeah. And I ask you, what is Avalon Part 2 all about? What are we yeah. going to learn? Yeah. So I knew that this episode is already called Avalon Part 2, right? And so uh, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? What, what, what can I do with this? That's kind of fun. And then I thought to myself, eh, I probably shouldn't do the, the, the have a lawn joke thing because that, that, that was already done. So then I said to myself, I know, and I'm going to tell you that thing. And when I'm done, Kevin's going to know why I went, was all like, oh, Kevin, Kevin. All right. So here we go. Ready? All right. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team is trapped. Well, no, wait. The new SG, well, uh, the peep. Half of the SG-1 team and a person who is nominally a part of it so far and another person who's just there are trapped and they are about to die. The ceiling is lowering on them slowly. They are presented with two challenges. One, to rearrange a bunch of tiles in a correct order, I guess. And two, to try to figure out why there are two empty bowls. Hilariously, they are trying to figure this out. And so the ceiling keeps lowering. Finally, finally, something happens. They both fail at trying their puzzles. Is this the end of SG-1? The ceiling lowers. It gets stuck on the stone altars. Wait a minute. Perhaps they will be able to get out of this after all. Seeing as there is only a few feet of space, the teams are furiously trying to figure out how they can possibly... Oh, wait, no! The stone altars are cracking! Oh, this is bad news! It gets even worse. The stones start to splinter and shatter and stones are now rocketing through the rooms at extraordinarily high speeds. Some of them hit our team members, breaking bones! crushing skin one of them has a giant piece and it hits daniel jackson square in the head he's dead again and now the ceiling keeps lowering and they get crushed to a pulp join us next week as we reintroduce four brand new characters and completely rebuild the stargate sg1 team because all of them are dead next time on stargate sg1 avalon part two wow Mm -hmm. yeah dark it was supposed to be dark in a kind of a crazy over the time. And then Kevin was all like, oh, they're all going to die. <laughs> so, <it's> like, <laughs> uh, so, Zach. Yes, Brent. Will uh, Teal'c and Daniel and this new guy and Vala meet their grisly end? Well, no. Okay. <laughs> That's a shock. <laughs> I'm like, should I spoil it? Yeah. Or should I let him live in tension? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there will be great adventures that happen next week. Yeah. You say, maybe. You, okay. Um, but in order to get that point, we have to watch the promo so that we know what's going to happen theoretically next week. Yes. So that we okay. can watch it and then talk about it next time. Okay. That sounds good. All right. So this promo is by our good friend, David, just in yes. case you didn't know. Yes. Okay. Thank you, David. Yes. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. I'm hitting play. Now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. I mean, they're alive again, I guess. Oh! He's worthy! Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
The lost treasure of the ancients reveals new mysteries. Uh, once upon a time, there was a race of people that went on a great journey through space, across the universe. They were called the Altera. It says that the Alterans named their new home Avalon, and that they built many Astria Porta. Stargates. Stargates. <laughs> uh oh. What dangers await when Daniel and Bala's minds are transported to another galaxy? We do not doubt their power, just their word and intention. Their power is as real as the strength of belief in all followers. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. That's a cool effect. I wonder what they were using. Oh, wait, they're going to burn her! Oh, no, that's terrible! Oh, dear. Okay. All right. Well, they 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 survive somehow. I I still don't know how. So there's so that's good tension. I I don't know how they're going to get out of the rooms, but they do, and they get they 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 jump out of the frying pan and into the fire. Quite literally. Yes. Yeah. So we will find out what happens next time. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um. So, dear listeners, tell us what you think. Um. What do you think about Brent's ideas on? on how this episode should be different. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, how are you going to celebrate the fact that we had three people that might, is that a record? Three. I, people I don't know if it is or not, but boy, does it seem like it's pretty close to a record? I, I, I think my suspicion is that we've hit that before, but I don't think we've gone beyond three. Yeah, no, it's, that was, I can't remember. So that was really how good. Are, you know, how would you celebrate that? I don't know. I'm not saying we are going to celebrate that, but <laughs> if you were, if you were us, how would you do it? Yeah, exactly. um, yes. You know, tell us. Uh, yeah, tell us by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Yes. I, haven't I think I got an while. extra letter in there somewhere, so we we'll skip that extra letter. There was an and, extra. Yeah, it's just walking through the Stargate, not walking through the Stargate. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had to throw that in there because, you know, it's a... Re- rebooting things a little it's, bit. Oh, it's, it's, oh, we're not going to make another, uh, that would be kind of funny. We're not going to make a new web, uh, email address. Not going to no, do it. Not. However, it would have been in, uh, kind of funny if we had just kind of just judge it up just a little bit. With like a walking through the Stargate point five. <laughs> walking through <laughs> the Stargate. <laughs> it's the extra E. Don't forget the extra E. <laughs> oh, don't, don't confuse people like that. That'd be no, terrible. that's not true. This is false. It's just a story. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can, of course, go to the Facebooks and the Discords and have conversations there about all of these fun things. And with all that, I say I am Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs> <laughs>